Hi, this is Ben Lindbergh. And Jessica Clemens. And we are the hosts of Button Mash, the Ringer's video game podcast on the Ringerverse feed. We are in the midst of the biggest blockbuster gaming month either of us can recall. We're talking about Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bros., Alan Wake, Five Nights at Freddy's, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Woo! We will have our hands full. You can have your ears full with us talking about these wonderful video games on the Ringerverse feed weekly throughout this month on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app. One password, Prime Video, find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Bomber! Back to twice a week, baby. Year eight. Let's go. Back to twice a week, and the NBA is going to be back in regular season form a week from... Tuesday, when most people are going to be listening to this, uh, with the Lakers and the Nuggets and the Suns and the Warriors tipping off opening night. And one of those teams, I think it's fair to say, has gotten talked less about than the other three, and that is the reigning champion, Denver Nuggets. Um, while the offseason has been spent talking about James Harden and Damian Lillard and free agency and the draft and everything else that went on, here are the Nuggets who are the reigning NBA champions. And then, out of nowhere, an article drops today on the ringer.com inside the Denver Nuggets plan to build a dynasty. And then you have the money quote. From Calvin Booth, their general manager, if everything is optimized, we should win three or four titles. So now we have the perfect jump off point. That article, coincidentally, was written by Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> I got to tell you, I love the inside stuff, the fly on the wall type stuff. Those are always my favorite sports books. Um, those are always my favorite kind of articles. And I'm not saying this because you're my co-host and we've been together for eight years. This article is legitimately great and your writing's great, but your subject is incredible. I had no idea Calvin Booth would be that forthcoming and that good talking about how he views the team, how he views building out a roster, how he views draft picks. And then kind of how he views where they stand within the landscape of this new collective bargaining agreement. Um, let's just start with you guys sitting at lunch. And before we get into all the details, just tell me about, did you have any idea 
what had just happened in terms of content when you walked out of wherever you guys had lunch? Did you did you walk out and go, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing? <laughs> I walked out feeling like I just had a super transparent conversation with a GM who is open and honest. And, you know, there was, you know, two or three times throughout the lunch that he was like off the record on this. Um, and so, like, there's just cool to have, you know, that those open conversations with a GM with, with Calvin, like even like on the record, off the record, it doesn't matter. Like he was so open about, you know, kind of where the nuggets are and where the league is going. As you said, Chris, I mean, it like it covered everything. Like I'm really happy with how it turned out. That's because of, you know, like it's a lot of his insight and the insight of the other people I talked to for the story as well with some of the players. Um, but Calvin is like kind of the subject of the story. He is the guy. I mean, like he's building on top of what Tim Conley initially built the foundation that Conley built and Calvin made the right moves to turn them into an NBA champion. And like, it, it is fascinating to see the way in which they're going about this to try to build a sustainable team. And he was forthcoming about their intentions on drafting older rookies about how tough decisions are going to have to come in the future. And uh, they seem to be planning ahead on all of that. And, and I appreciated his forwardness and, and that. And I think a lot of the, the feedback that I've gotten from fans on, you know, social media, but all, like from you and also, but from people who work in the league, they're like, wow, like really impressive. I didn't know much about Calvin. Like a lot of people are saying I I'm impressed by his mindset and his approach to basketball. And that's the way I felt when I did walk away from that lunch. I was blown away. Also being willing to talk about how he views it for any basketball fan that cares about so many of the things that we talk about, which is roster construction and how teams are put together, his level of conviction as to this is what you need to have. And when he starts talking about overlap and he even cites, you know, the Lob City Clippers as a team that like they just had they just had overlap in a couple of different spots. And so this we've been intentional about these are the kind of skill sets we care about. These are the four things that we care about, and they need to have three of them. I mean, just the idea that he was this forthcoming because so many of these guys act like what their secret sauce is, is are, are state secrets. Yeah. And instead... Yep. He's willing to, right? Like, you know, when I said the fly on the wall stuff I love years ago, and I'm sure you're familiar with this guy, I don't give a crap about the Patriots. I know you do. But there was a book written by Michael Holly called Patriot Rain, and he got to spend a season, and he was a fly on the wall. And I'm like, if Bill Belichick is allowing a writer to be a fly on the yeah, wall and know. you know what I mean yeah. and describe everything that's going on and you know there are so many different times where this <laughs> has happened um I remember years ago uh the guy that built the Giants uh a guy named Ernie Acorsi there's a book called The GM it's great and he's talking about how he built the Giants and why he liked Eli Manning in the draft and why he cared about uh, O.C. Uminura and, and Michael Strahan and th this is how we're going to build a defensive line and this is what we need in our quarterback and this is what we want in our – and it was like every once in a while you'll come across a guy that's willing to explain himself and Calvin Booth in your article, like he's like, these are the four things we care about. Here's an example of a guy not having all of them. Here's an example of a guy that we had in Michael Porter who has to get better at one did. of them <laughs> and did. Mm -hmm. And here's what we need across the board so that our skills don't overlap and so that we have the proper roster construction that we think leads to success. And just reading all of it, like I said, these guys try to play so many times everything so close to the vest that I loved the fact that here's a guy that just won the title and he's willing to say, here's why we make the decisions we do and here's the kind of players we like and you can try to copy it if you want. I mean, like in the end, like with anything, it's like, bro, you got Jokic, all the roster construction yes. in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? But 
he does come off as a super bright guy that has real convictions about what he's doing. And that and that's like exactly what you said. Like having Jokic makes it all easier. That that's yes. what their assistant GM said to me in the story. It's like, I mean, it becomes easy when you have Jokic and then they have like other all-star caliber players. I don't think that part of the quote went in there, but he mentioned Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, yes. Michael Porter Jr. It's like when you have those guys, it becomes easier. Obviously. Oh, I can um, hear but, the yeah. old school yeah. GM guys like, yeah, I'd be a genius too if uh, I'd, I'd be talking every day too if I had a friggin' five time MVP on my head. But that's just like, I mean, I, I can see why like somebody, you know, like I could see why like somebody from the Clippers might feel a certain way if they read that quote. I could see why like another GM would feel that way too. But it's, I don't think, I don't think Calvin Booth was necessarily trying to paint himself as some super genius GM. I think he was just, laying it out there like yeah here's how we view the opportunity to build around this legend and Nikola Jokic and here are the things that we have to do to maximize him uh that's the way I kind of viewed it and like they're acting on it they're making those tough choices because they trade Bones Highland uh I forget if this portion went into the article as well but there's a section towards the end where I talked about Calvin Booth mentioned they did a study internally about you know the team since 2008 what what do they all have in common in terms of length, wingspan, height, weight? And they noticed that every team that won the finals met a certain threshold in either average wingspan or average average weight when you remove the smallest player on the court. They wanted to remove the outlier from those teams. And it was like, you know, average height of like 6'8", and average weight of, I don't know, 225. I'm, I'm, I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. I forget the exact numbers. Right. And he, and he said, like, we got under that after the bones trade. Like, they didn't, they, you mentioned, like, teams could copy Denver, but all Denver really did was study history, too. Recent sure. history to see what other teams have done that ended up winning the finals. And the quote, I believe, that did make the story was how he's like, you know, we don't, we don't want to be that outlier. <laughs> We want to do it the way the successful teams actually have done it. So in many ways, it's not like anything he talked about or is in the story about team building philosophy is new. It's just the things that they're doing, practicing on it and building on it. And that's what makes them so impressive. Like they draft Christian Brown last year, a junior. He comes in and has a solid regular season. And they trade Bowen Highland, which creates more minutes for Brown. He ends up having a very good postseason. They draft three guys two fifth-year seniors, one, one third-year junior and Julian Strother, who's having one of the best preseasons in all of basketball right now. He looks awesome. He looks like he's a natural fit with everybody on that existing roster. And that gets back to the point you were saying about the stars that you have, the key players you have. It's kind of easy to know <laughs> what you need and the types of players you need when it comes to building around them. So this philosophy works for the current state of the team uh, when you can ignore some of those home run swing type players. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I was impressed. I'm very impressed by, by that organization with the way they're trying to build around Jokic right now. Well, and also, uh, you know, I know there's going to be a segment and a guy, you know, when I imitated the old school GM, that's like, yeah, well, if I had Jokic, everybody think what I, <laughs> but there have been all kinds of transcendent stars that haven't been built out and around. They, and they it's, fell short. Yep. It's not, it's not as easy as you think it, it is. It, it's, and that, easy, it's easy to know what you need. It's hard to make the right choice on the players available. Ask Rob Palenka. Mm hmm. Right. They put yeah. it together and they had it together for that bubble season. But I mean, like that's been the internal war is building out around this transcendent player, or rather possibly two transcendent players there. Or you could look around the league and all the best player, whoever we think are the best players in the league. You know, we are seeing now Lillard and Giannis be together because it was like, all right, what do we need? Uh, around Giannis in order to make him feel like he has a chance at competing for titles for the next, uh, you know, two to and three the, years. The Bucks, and Bucks, another great example of a team without overlap. Like, like look at the way their pieces fit together. They, yeah. like they, they don't have much overlap at all. On and, and you could say, oh, it should be easy. You know what I mean? But like, look at what they're going through with Dallas trying to build out around Luka. It's Tough. not. It's not yeah. that easy. Yeah. You know what when I mean? I, it, well, when I when I say easy, I, I should right. I shouldn't use that word. It's more like you, you it's oh. easy it's easy to know what you need around Jokic. Hey, you're yeah. on second base. Yeah, exactly. 
You're, you're not right. you're, exactly 100 percent true. Maybe you're actually on third base with a guy that amazing. But the 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 whole concept about about the team building aspect it does make me think about who are the teams that don't have overlap. Who are the teams that have a lot of overlap? Mm. Like we mentioned, the Bucks they don't have much overlap at all. Giannis and Dame coexist very well. We saw that in their first game together on Sunday. Brook Lopez paired with Giannis works. Brook Lopez alone works. Like they don't have very much skill overlap. They're all their individual types of talents. Chris Middleton is far different than Giannis. He's far different from Damian Lord. He's way different from Pat Connaughton for that matter. And who's who's way different from Jay Crowder? They all bring something different. The Cavs are the team I think about when I think about kind of these top four or five teams in each respective conference where I'm like, they have a lot of overlap. Mitchell yeah. and Garland, both smaller guards, both guys who are best with the ball in their hands. Mobley and Allen, both very good rim protectors. Mobley's different in the sense that he's better on the perimeter, Allen on the interior, but neither of them space the floor on offense. Neither of them are primary ball handlers or creators, shooters. They, I, like Cleveland feels kind of like that modernized Lob City Clippers where there's elements of it that work really, really, really well. And they're going to win a lot of games and probably win some series too. But I just wonder if ultimately there's just too much overlap for them to actually be the team there at the end. It's crazy that you bring them up as an example because it's the exact same way. He brings up the Lob City and he brings up Paul and Reddick and he says, both fantastic, undersized. Yes. And then the two bigs, Blake and DeAndre, both fantastic, do too much of the same stuff. Neither could shoot. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do too much of the same stuff, especially offensively. Now, he, it's funny. You mentioned Bones Highland. He's the one guy that if he read this article, he's throwing it in the trash. Because <laughs> holy mackerel, that is the one thing I did want to mention. For, for, the, for the people that, don't know, that have not read this yet, He's talking about the Bones Highland deal, which is the first move he made. And he said, I knew you couldn't have two guys that couldn't guard. I was like, God, I knew you have two guys. I mean, I was like, he's doing this on the record, huh? I knew you couldn't have two guys that couldn't guard. And we couldn't have two guys that were young and kind of more me guys. Mike makes $30 million. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. So, Bones, there's no place for you. <laughs> God. May, maybe I should have rewritten that quote into my own words or something. Oh, <laughs> brother. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think the... Porter kind of catches a little bit of a shit yeah, there. I don't, I don't, see, I, 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 don't, I don't read that personally as a straight Porter as much like... In, within well, the he context, is a me, more of a me guy. Yeah, I, I think it's a compliment to him in a sense. Like, that's what you want. Yeah. If I'm going to have if I'm gonna have this kind of player, though... You can't I have too many the, of them. I want the guy that's one of the best shooters that makes $30 million, yeah. So, sorry, bro. Like, we don't need you. Like, yeah, that, you that's that's the way I view yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Exactly it. like that, Chris. Like, I I didn't view it as a shot of MPJ. I know some Nuggets fans do. Um, <laughs> maybe MPJ does. I hope he doesn't. Like, I viewed it as we can't have too much of the same thing. It was like, I don't think he was necessarily saying that Bones is a failure of a player. I just, I just think I viewed it as he's just not a fit for us. Right. And he goes to a team where, you know, he's with the Clippers now. Maybe he can be their new Lou Williams, that type of thing. Um, but ultimately, yes, I, I can see why <laughs> Bones or MPJ <laughs> might, might take that a different type of way. But within the context, though, it it does make sense. It really does. Like when you consider overlapping qualities, it's like that's true for anything in life, right? Like mm-hmm. whether it's a marriage, you need yeah. to have some differences and you need to have some ways that you you help each other's deficiencies and you compliment each other's strengths. A podcast partner, right? I mean, you <laughs> were, we're in year eight right. <laughs> for a reason because of our differences and the ways in which we don't overlap. Um, we overlap in the right way. So I think like, regardless of what it is, it's just, you know, that conversation with him did make me think of a lot about the state of the league and, and teams around the league and how they're building and the decisions that they're making. Whatever kind of term you want to use, whether we're going to call it dynasty or not, um, what were you left thinking in regards to his, if we optimize everything, we should win three or four titles? And juxtaposed with the Draymond quote, everybody's going to remember us because 
basically it's impossible to do that now with the way everything is structured, with the way the CBA is structured, that you're just not going to be able to do it like that and maintain greatness for an extended amount of time to where you can win three or four titles. So you've got two sides of that, right? You have Draymond on one hand saying, this can't be done anymore. And then on the other hand, you have Calvin Booth that's saying, if we do it all right, that wasn't our last title. It wasn't a one-shot wonder. We can, we lost two rotation guys for sure, but we can, we can still win these. What do you make of it? I'm all the way with Calvin Booth on that. I think Draymond's wrong about it. Um, it's it's just going to be more difficult. It's not like when it comes to building a championship team, roster turnover was never a thing. I mean, look at the Spurs teams. They they turned over around Duncan, Manu, and Tony Parker every two to three years. Like ha- needing to hit in the draft is nothing new. Just like they hit with Manu, hit with Tony Parker, just like they needed to hit with Kawhi and Leonard for to continue things into the 2010s. They ha- you need to have success in the draft. So I think maybe those are are amplified more. And it becomes even more important to win in the draft and have success there with your picks. So I just think you just got to, if anything, maybe it, maybe it widens the skill gap between GMs. That, that's the only thought that I have. But I don't think dynasties and, and sustained success is necessarily dead. It just changes the equation in some ways. And maybe you have to make some tough decisions sooner, um, like having to trade a big salary guy. Like for Denver, at some point, that might have to come down between Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. Um, but we'll, we'll see down the line. But I don't think dynasties are dead at all. Do you? I really, it's hard with this particular team to say, considering what they have the guys locked up, you know, for right now, that it feels like if they've got, you know, you, you, you chronicle what's kind of what they've got uh, Gordon for and how far out and what they've got. You know, they got what four starters locked up, right? Yeah. You got four yeah. starters locked the up. Whole, I mean, the whole core. Jamal, Jokic, Porter, and Gordon all have contracts. Yep. And they're probably not going anywhere in the next couple of years. And I know that we've talked a lot about all these other teams and what they've done, but Denver just destroyed everybody. I mean, it wasn't close. But they go like, I think they lost two, three games, something like that. They dropped one to Minnesota, right? And they swept the Lakers. They did they go six or five with Miami. I mean, they just they pummeled they everybody. Five, they went five with Miami. Okay, so did they lose two games in the they go sixteen and two or whatever? Yeah, in the playoffs? Five, five against Minnesota, six against the Suns, four against the oh, Lakers. Okay. Five against the Heat. Okay, I'm sorry. So yeah. I forgot the two against the Suns. That's what I left out. Okay, still, what, 16 and four? Yeah. They yeah, played 20 nasty. playoff games and they went 16 and four. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. I mean, they're nasty. That's not, you're they're, not real close. You're not real close. It, you know? And, and, I, and I like my one of my season predictions is. I don't think the Nuggets are going to miss Bruce Brown and Jeff Green all too much. Uh, I've, you know, you, we and I had our conversation about Jalen Pickett after the draft. Yeah, we talked. We talked about the other guys. This was even before I ever started reporting a story on the Nuggets. We were talking about their their rookie players, Julian Strother. This preseason dude, like he. 20 points in his first game, 16 points in his second, 23 in his third game. It's just preseason. But everything he's doing is super translatable. It's, it's a continuation of the trajectory he was on in his three years at Gonzaga. Strother, uh, Calvin Booth called him the offensive version of Christian Brown. I think that is spot on. Spot on in the sense that he, I, I underranked him. He goes to number 29. He he could end up being one of the immediate steals of the draft. Uh, Booths, I believe, uh, I put it in the article, said he had him ranked 17th or something like that. Um, so a borderline lottery pick. I mean, look, dude, I, I, I think this guy, he's going to fit right in. 
and he can add a different type of element compared to Bruce Brown. They have other guys. Pickett, you know, we talked about him back mm-hmm. in summer league. We'll see if Peyton Watson could figure things out. And, you know, Christian Brown, Calvin Booth, a bunch of guys in that organization are super high on what he can be. They have options. And I think investing in that youth could be beneficial for them both in the short term and obviously the long term because that's what you need is some of these young guys to pop. Yeah. And they can also always be a waiver wire team too. Because yeah. once you're awesome, guys are willing to come and play for you. Especially you see what, what Jokic can can do for a guy like Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown sure. gets this huge payday with the Pacers. Even Jeff Green got paid more than I think some people were expecting from the Rockets. So, I mean, I think for the, if you want to get a better salary, maybe playing alongside the most unselfish superstar in the league is a way to do that. The NBA season is back, and you can get in on all the buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action right now with NBA season starting up. There's so many different ways to bet. You can bet on futures like award voting, teams that win the finals or even just make the finals. Within the season, there's live same-game parlays, and you can find bets in the new Explore tab, and there you can dive into the Parlay Hub and find the best ways to find popular parlays. So visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, let's get to some games. Uh, so you and I both went uh, went to a game in person since we last spoke. And we both, coincidentally, saw the Milwaukee Algonquin for the Goodland Bucks. <laughs> I saw... Hey, who'd you the, see? <laughs> I, I saw Campaign <laughs> and uh, Marshawn Bochamp and Pat Connaughton. I saw a little Andre Jackson Jr. Yeah, you saw Ty Ty Washington. <laughs> saw a little Win- Lindell Winnington action. <laughs> Wigington. Uh, I, I, got, I got that LA, LA, you know, spotlight, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I got a little Ty Ty Washington. I got a little Marquis Marquise Bolden and some AJ Green, not the receiver for the Bengals. Um, actually, a player for the. <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so the game I went to, I saw Memphis versus Milwaukee. No Giannis, no Lillard, no Middleton. Um, and then to depress me even more, I was like, all right, well, at least I'll get to see Drew Timmy. Nope. <laughs> I didn't even see Drew Timmy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so anyways. I didn't get to see them play, so I can't say anything about the new look Bucks. Uh, but you in Los Angeles <laughs> got to see Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo in uniform. I turned it on TV yesterday, and it's going to take a minute to adjust to Damian Lillard in Bucks green when it's been over a decade seeing him in another jersey. And so it was just, it's a little jarring the first time you ever see somebody with their new team out on the court and it becomes uh, apparent to you like, oh, wow. They really have Damian Lillard now <laughs> alongside it Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, oh, yeah, I, th- I think it looks good on him. Yes. It's not yes. weird like Chris Paul in the Warriors jersey. That's strange. Right. It's not weird. Um, yeah. All right, first impressions. Positive. Two thumbs up. I yep. mean, we, I, I, we, uh, during the game, someone sitting next to me was like, they, we never really see like a, a wow type of play from those two. I don't think we saw that in the opener with Deem and Giannis playing together in the preseason, but we did get plenty of those, hmm, nice moments like Giannis single coverage, more open on the roll, uh, or Dame, you know, or Dame Giannis pick and rolls, you know, forcing defenses to collapse into the paint like the Lakers did. And that opening up a wide open, spot up shooter Giannis could hit off of the short roll that's what we saw 
those little things that add up over the course of the season and add to high value shot attempts. And I, I, I think those moments will come where we get those, oh my goodness, Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo are playing on the same team together. We didn't quite get that yet. Um, but Giannis said it after the game. He's like, I've never felt so wide open. I, I think that seems pretty true pretty early on. Yeah, uh, just, you know, you you have this vision in your mind of like kind of what it's going to look like with both of them out on the court together. And then just to see it and you're thinking about like, man, so many times when you're watching NBA games and you could watch, you could be like, all right, who's supposed to score now? And it's like anytime either of them have the ball, you feel like they could score anytime they want to. And what a luxury to have those two. And they still, I mean, Middleton, didn't play in that game either, right? Like he was—he wasn't out there. I never no, saw him. So nope. yeah, he didn't play. Um, and so they've got their group. Uh, what about on the Lakers side? Like, kind of what was the talk around there? Clearly, we're watching them without LeBron. Uh, Reeves didn't play. I know Vanderbilt didn't play. Even Gabe Vincent, uh, new acquisition from Miami, he didn't play. AD did play. Uh, as did D'Angelo Russell, Rui, Christian Wood, your guy. Was out there. Um, what's kind of the scuttlebutt around the arena about the Lakers? <laughs> you, you, you're familiar with me and Chris Mannix having beef over Christian Wood, right? Oh, do yeah. yes. <laughs> he comments about that before the game, and he then did. Christian Wood proceeded to go like one for six. Oh no, <laughs> that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Uh, so I still believe, uh, I mean, this is, this is Christian Wood's last chance in my book. Like if it, if it doesn't work out here with the Lakers, it's, it's just not going to work anywhere. But ultimately though, I mean, it's not about him. It's well, you about, saw that thing that was going around about him, like where everybody thought Cuban was talking about him. Oh yeah. In yeah. that interview. It's like yeah. some guys like weed too much. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Like I'm paraphrasing, but it was yeah. something like that. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's okay to smoke weed, but like. I mean, all the time. It's like, what? He's like, we had a guy that smoked weed all the time. Like, oh my God. It'd be funny if it was actually Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, what was the scuttlebutt about the Lakers? Anything? I mean, the conversations with like people before the game are just about like the amount of depth that they have and how it feels like they have a ton of options coming off of their bench. Like even the young guys, like Max Lewis didn't have a great game, but you know maybe he could slide into a role. Max Christie, uh, you know, I really like him as well. So it was more about that, but also still about AD. I mean, AD at this point he's four of ten on three pointers from behind the arc in preseason. Super teeny tiny sample size, but. It's interesting. I mean, he's Do you shot- buy it? Do you buy that whole he's going to try to get him to shoot a million? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, Darvin Ham said he wants him to shoot six per game. In preseason, he shot three in 13 minutes, three in 14 minutes, two in 22 minutes, two in 19 minutes. So, like, maybe he'll be up to, like, four or five a game if he's playing 34 or 35 minutes per game, and that would be a career high. His career high is... 3.5 three-point attempts per per game, and that was the year that the Lakers won the championship. Um, so I, I, I buy that he's going to shoot more. Do I buy that he'll continue to be as successful at 4 of 10 so far in preseason? I don't know. Um, it seems to be prioritized. They're certainly talking it up. His shot does look fluid. It does look very good right now. Uh, but how much of that is just, you know, uh, the bias that we feel watching the ball fall through the net and and not just the fact that it could be a teeny tiny sample. But he, this, this is a guy who has had some success from mid-range in his career, who's been an 80% free throw shooter in his career. Maybe things are clicking for him. And if they are, that absolutely does change the way in which you could view that Lakers upside because we know their depth is good. It's as we've talked about. The questions are, can LeBron James stay healthy? Can Anthony Davis stay healthy? Well, if AD also got better by shooting more threes, that's also another X factor in their favor. You know, the sneaky one I really like for them is Tareem Prince. I like Prince. He's nice. I think, yeah, yeah, I think he's a good role player. Yeah. Right? And then he has those random, like, I'm just going to make six threes tonight games. Um, but I think a good role player and he plays hard as hell, um, all the time. Uh, I cannot imagine that you were there for the fourth quarter because, oh my goodness, 
I mean, I left. Oh. <laughs> I left to oh. beat the traffic at the end of so, the third. Uh, well, this <laughs> I, I obviously grab, I look, had food. I you're hungry. doing. You're doing. I, look, I want to apologize to all the listeners of the mismatch because now you are going to be without Kevin's analyses on Colin Castleton, Alex Fudge, Demoy Hodge, uh, Maxwell Lewis, Damian Ball. Uh, yeah, all those guys. I uh, like Castleton, but uh, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't see anything from <laughs> last, last night. Fud- <laughs> Fudge, Alex Fudge, turn up. <laughs> all right. Uh, a couple other things that we've got to talk about uh, on this episode. So it was not that long ago, Kevin. Uh, so at some point during the off season, we played our very famous game, uh, that's, That's true. true. That <laughs> might be true. Or that's ridiculous. You forget the name for a second. And you almost laughed me off the show. What happened? What did I laugh about? You almost laughed me off the show. Even though I'm just the host of that show, <laughs> like a game show host, I'm not presenting all those statements necessarily as things I believe, <laughs> but you took it that way. And you said, and I quote, that's ridiculous, and laughed me off of this <laughs> show when I said Ben Simmons could return to all-star form. <laughs> Would you like to amend all these months later to that might be true? <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> This son of a bitch is diving on the floor. He's throwing no looks. Him and Mikel Bridges are like running together. He's locking people up. He's flying. I mean, this was, I'm watching these preseason highlights. I'm like, is this real? I tweeted out. I was like, this is more shocking than that Bigfoot video. Watching him diving on the floor. In a preseason game? I'm like, who is this guy? Um, Ben Simmons. Out of nowhere. I fadeaways. I know. Well, he, sh- he shot it with his offhand, too. He what shot is it with going the left. on? What is going on? Are we seeing the Ben Simmons renaissance? I mean, he was left for dead. And now, like, obviously, he's got a massive contract. It's going to be hard to live up to it. But... <laughs> Either this dude has got it, it's it's either I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not like I've gone out of my way and watched a Nets preseason game, so we could be falling into amazing mixtape territory, right? Where you watch the high school or college kid, and it's literally the ten best plays he's ever made in his life, and you didn't see everything <laughs> else that happened. But his preseason mixtape is unbelievable, Ben Simmons, right now. I kind of, just watching that, I kind of, I'm I'm starting to believe. That might be true. That, that, <laughs> it might be true that, that he returns because <laughs> the, the, the aggression on defense is there. Um, like, like, we'll see how he holds up over the course of a full season when it comes to defending man-to-man. Can he continue to be a lockdown guy on ball for the full duration of the season. That that's going to be the big question mark. When he was at he his was awesome. peak, yes. oh, he's, he's he's as good a defender as there is in the league. How hundred percent true? And like you pair him next to Mikel Bridges, if you have those two guys together on defense, they could be such a formidable conver- co- uh, combination on the perimeter. Add in Nick Nick Claxton, one of the best interior shot blockers, switch defenders in the entire league. I had him on my all-defensive second team last year. I thought he should have made it. You have those three guys, Claxton, Bridges, Simmons. If you get them together, add in Finney Smith and some of the other good guys that they have on their team, like they could have a great defense. Um, but Simmons, yeah, he, de- he definitely looks better. I hope he stays healthy. It would be a great story if he's able to return to form. Uh, I wish he switched shooting hands during his break. Um, that's my only disappointment in all of this. But <laughs> at least he hit the at least he hit the offhand lefty fadeaway. Before it all went to hell, really, with that Atlanta series that year, that every once in a while, 
It's more it's more often than every once in a while. The Kawhi Toronto Philly game, they replay that a lot on NBA TV or other channels. And like I've just run across it like two times in the last year. And if you ever stop and watch it and you watch him guarding Kawhi, you realize Kawhi was getting 30, but he was doing it on 30-something shots. I mean, yeah. he is so good. He's so good. Made it tough on him. And it's like, geez, man, what happened? Like, it just, it, it just a couple of disastrous years, but maybe he'll be able to, it'd be a cool story if he gets it all back and he can become whatever player he was going to become before he became the butt of so many jokes. Because uh, he doesn't look way, like a joke. He doesn't look like a joke, at least in the preseason. That game, I just pulled it up. Kawhi had 41 points on 39 shots. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, ben Simmons played 42 minutes in that game. Like, obviously, off the top of our heads, we don't know how many possessions he had on Kawhi, but I remember it being a lot yes. of those plays. Yes. Um, yeah. And he, he, would, he, he could always take the other team's best player. Yep. He could guard him. One through five, he could guard him. Um, He's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, he Ben Simmons, like he's. Like, he was. Talk, I mean, he, like you got to give him credit. Like he was a terrible defender at LSU. He was awful for mm-hmm. a guy with his dimensions and size and quickness. But it turns out it's just, <laughs> it's, it was, he just didn't care about college. He just wasn't trying. Uh, but like what he became with the Sixers as a defensive player, he deserves a lot of credit for that. All right. How about his old team? Let's talk about what's going on with the Sixers. Um, What is going on with Philly? (laughs) James Harden speaking for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think the only thing he put to rest was the question of, is he going to throw on a fat suit? Is he going to sit down, you know, crisscross applesauce on the court until they trade him and napalm this thing? Or is he going to, is he going to go out there and, play and it kind of I think if you're a if you're a fan of the franchise I think in this debacle of a situation best case scenario was him basically saying look I'm gonna play I'm gonna play hard I'm gonna try to win I like Nick Nurse I hate Daryl Morey's guts and I'm never gonna like him and we're never gonna be cool and that's the end of that I can't stand this guy but I am going to play. Uh, and so that's all. I mean, look, it's still all just going to be hanging out there no matter what. And maybe there will come a time. Uh, it's going to go one of two ways, right? Either he plays out of his mind so that it enables him to get traded, even though there are very few suitors. And those suitors do not necessarily have, it appears yet, what Daryl wants in return for James. But Seems like he likes the coach. It seems like he's going to be accountable to Joel Embiid and go out there and try to be a teammate and a player for that team. And I think that's at least some, I guess that's a little positive direction considering we were at the point where it's Daryl Morey's a liar and I'll never play for a Daryl Morey team again. Like he is at least going to do that. He is going to play for him. He is going to play for that team. I don't know. What do you think? There was a report that he might play in their final preseason game, too. So, I mean, we'll see there if he ends up doing that and how he looks in live action. You know what would be the craziest that I just opined for the first time the other day, thinking about it with one of my buddies? I was like, what if they got rid of Daryl? <laughs> I mean, they could. What if, what if, what if James won that? In th- that would be the ultimate player, like, right? Like, in the end, he wins that deal. I mean, I, I, I think if they get rid of Daryl, it would be the type of thing that it's because Embiid wants out. Yeah. Like, like if things completely implode, then they get rid of Daryl Morey. Um, but at this point, like if they chose Harden over Daryl Morey, I, I'd be kind of surprised. I, I think it's just about the Sixers trying to get the best that they can for, for him. Because it's not like it's just purely... Maury's decision not to pay him a full max contract or exactly what he wants. That's an ownership decision, too. It's a collective decision. So clearly, it's not just uh, Daryl Morey that doesn't want to pay James Harden the right. money that he wants. So, I mean, we'll see how this plays out, man. Like, it's, it's going to be fascinating because they're, like, they're, they're right on the cusp. But what can they actually end up getting for James Harden? Like, the Clippers haven't reportedly made Terrence Mann yet available. 
for James Harden? Like, would you would you put Terrence Mann on the table right now? Are for we, James are we, are, what are we talking? You know about? what I mean? Like, yes, right? Yeah, you would. Every once in a while, there's these guys that it's like I'm not. We're not moving him. Yeah, you know what I mean. No matter what, we're not moving him. Right, uh, but like the phrasing, I forget who reported it, uh, but they said the Clippers are, are Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. I would assume this is informed by the Philadelphia side of things. He said that they've made Terrence Mann untouchable. Untouchable? Come on. Like, that's absurd if that's true. The Clippers have made him untouchable. He's not untouchable. He's Terrence Mann. I really like Terrence Mann. I would want Terrence Mann if I'm the Sixers. I think Terrence Mann would be a great fit next to Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. But untouchable? Come on, man. <laughs> I, I I'll never understand. Like every once in a while, there's those kind of guys, though. There are. He's there's good. He's a he's a good player. He's That's why good. the Sixers want him. He's good, right? He, would you give him up if you're the Clippers, though, or would you continue to play hardball and stretch this out and see if you can get Harden on a severe discount? What would yes. you do? You yes. would, but we. What, would, what did we just see with the Heat, though? They wouldn't put Jaime Jaquez, reportedly, on the table for Damian Lord. They end up losing him to a rival. Then Drew Holiday lose to another rival because they were playing hardball. If I put Terrence Bayard on okay, the table, okay, okay, and the okay. answer is yes. Okay, okay, so you would put him on the table. Okay. Yes. Okay. What am I? What are we doing here? Well, regardless of what I just said, though, and I, I hate mean. James Harden. <laughs> But but that that's the but thing though. On. It's like you don't even like James Harden, and you'd be willing right. to do that. I think the Clippers should just put Terrence Mann in an offer and get this done, and go get James Harden so we can have a full season with Kawhi and Paul George. Unless, unless Chris, they really aren't all that enthusiastic about going all in with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Because if you're the Clippers, there's there's also that other path. Or if you're the Clippers, you can say, you know what, we went all in on these guys. And it was worth a shot. We had some good runs. It's just they couldn't manage to stay healthy. We're going to pull the plug and, and and reshape this roster around a younger team to open up our new arena. I'm of the opinion that they're in no man's land right now. But, but, so they need to pick a side. That's what I'm saying. They need they're to pick no a side. They're in no man's land. They're, yeah. they're, they're at a crossroads. They, yeah. can, they can go all in and lean all the way in and, and decide to build around Kawhi and Paul George and try to do this thing. Or they can move on from one or both of those guys I just say and go like, the complete dude, other I way. Go, I go and I grab Harden, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But so what? Where are, I mean, honestly, who are they ahead of? Like, not any of the best four or five teams. You wouldn't be picking them. I agree. So you're in no man's land. I had them eighth on my power rankings. And, th- and that. And how many, how many West teams in front of them? Uh, let's see. I had the Grizzlies one, Warriors two, Lakers three, Suns four, and Nuggets, Nuggets five. five. So right. I had so five six. teams ahead of the Clippers, and that might be generous, right? Like eight really might be. Uh, like it's, it's hard to buy them at all. Like you could you could easily make the argument that some of these young teams, like the Kings, might have an even better season. You could argue that they could be better. Like what if what if like the Thunder are as good as Bill Simmons think they will be? Yeah. Right. No, I mean, like, to me, like that's that. when you do just take the swing and try to throw together three stars and see what what happens. So you would. So I'm asking because like you've always been the hardened hater in my yeah, eyes. But but that but, team is every year, you know, riddled by injury. But you don't think there's any logic to the Clippers just blowing it up? Not right now. Not today. But, no, because they got these two. Uh, that's what yes, I'm saying. They, they I agree. These, Look, but, if they but get, that's what hey, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you wait and you don't put Terrence Mann in the offer and you don't offer everything you can, you retain that path to say, you know what, let's just pull the plug in and reset things. If you do it now, then you're all the way in. You already even, gave even up if, all your picks. Your <laughs> picks are gone. I know from the but Paul the, George thing anyway. You ain't got shit in the future anyway. So just but, go but, but and you, get him. But, you got all three of them on a contract <laughs> year. All one extensions. Right, they're all playing to try to make more money, and those are like two hundred million dollar players, and you could throw them all three together. But they have give it a they, run and see. They have their twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. They can trade two of those, the twenty eight and the thirty, 
So like they they do have picks in the distant future. No. But like if you're gonna trade one or two of those and compromise like even more of your future for James Harden, who I still I think I still think Harden's one of the 30 best guys in the NBA. Does he put you over the top? I I, uh, I mean he could just bounce. Kawhi could leave, Paul George could leave. These guys are all free agents coming up. That that's a lot to gamble on. So I, I see why the Clippers would want to wait. I get it. I do get it. Because it retains that path to pull the plug and and they might be my next blow it up team, Chris. We'll see. It's been a while since I've had one of those teams I feel strongly about. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right. Rank them one through three for the upcoming season. I will give you... For championship odds. No, 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 no. I'm saying you've got a blank team, okay? This upcoming season, I will give you James Harden, Ben Simmons, or Zion Williamson. Rank them. Oh, God. (laughs) So I'm building a team from scratch. Yeah, you got no players. You're the expansion team. You get this season. And their salaries are included. So Harden's a free agent next summer. Just get, get in the rules before I make my choices here. Sure. Zion, one. Ben Simmons, two. James Harden, three. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Harden's a free agent in, in, in yeah, next I've, year. I've, I've made it eight years. You hate the guy, too. After eight years. <laughs> but he's a free you agent. You just ranked him by Ben Simmons. He's it a took free me, agent. It took me eight years. He's a free we, agent we, we in finally, July. We finally come together. He's a we free agent coming up. Oh, shut up. Fine. <laughs> Let's give him an extension, and then he'll still. It's not gonna make any difference. How would you? How would you rank him? Oh my god! How would you put up, stack him up? Zion one for you. Zion Zion last for you probably. No, Zion's one. Okay, then then Harden two, Ben Simmons three for you. Uh, again, they're all crapshoots. Yeah, right. They are. That's why I did it. But well, yes, I, I mean, would take- Harden's less of a crapshoot. Harden was really good last year. Yeah, but he's look those other two. I don't trust Simmons or Harden when we're getting to the playoffs. I don't trust any of them. Oh, no. Zion, obviously, I, I can't trust that he would even be there yeah, for no. the playoffs. But Sim- Simmons, too, considering his I, injuries. But, but I would rather take the chance that if I did have him, I've got this yeah. behemoth that no one can deal with. And yeah. he has, I was shocked he has played in the preseason. Shocked. The Pelicans do not look good, though. No, they well, and they lo- just lost Najee Marshall. They already lost Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy's so freaking good, dude. I, I think you know they got this like neck and back thing going with Herb. Uh, they, uh, Alvarado got hurt in the off season. Like they just man, they got they snake bit too. And I heard my buddy Tim McMahon saying that. Do you know that McCollum Ingram and Zion? 
have played less than 200 minutes together. Nuts. That's crazy. Nuts. I mean, it's a 48-minute game. That is the equi- They have played less together than the equivalent of four games. So we don't even know. Like, obviously, the numbers in those games are good, but it's, it's less than 200 minutes that we have seen McCollum, Ingram, and Zion on the court at the same time. And now, I guess, uh, hopefully, at least, it seems like to start the season, we'll see it, but they're not exactly spaced out that well uh, around those guys. As you mentioned, the, the Murphy thing's a killer, too. Yeah, he, Trey Murphy's awesome. One of the best young players in the game. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. having I, And I am, I am very, very hopeful that this can be the year that Zion Williamson is able to play, like, 60 games. A couple other things I do want to mention. Just a, a, another guy... You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, the young players, most exclusively Chet and Wemby, and how this preseason has just been unbelievable in getting people excited for the upcoming year. Uh, One other guy that I want to mention that you tweeted about since we last spoke is Jabari, who was absolutely awesome when we saw him in Summer League. Jabari Smith Jr., for what it's worth. He was in the game. You remember the crazy game winner? Oh, that was... Uh, Unbelievable. The, unbelievable in Vegas. And it was, and, and the place was slammed to the gills because it was the game right before Wemby. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> Interestingly enough, when that happened, guess who was right by me? And this was wild because he was just like, they were playing Charlotte, right? I believe they're playing Charlotte because right by me, like, you know how like, you could kind of stand in that end zone? or whatever, no security, nothing. Friggin' J. Cole. Oh, wow. He's just standing there. I turned to my left. I said, oh, my God. (laughs) J. Cole, I feel like he was, like, spawning everywhere. I saw him at a restaurant. He was just hanging out. And J. Cole was everywhere for some reason. But, I mean, it's weird. Like, see somebody that famous, like, not walking around with a bunch of security or anything was just odd. Yeah, He's just regular. He was just standing there like a regular dude. That's why it Mm -hmm. caught me so off guard. But anyway, Jabari Smith had that unbelievable game. And then this crazy game winner. And we were we were so hyped about him because that, that was that was a mess of a rookie year for him. And that was a mess of a year for the Rockets. Uh, but now they certainly have some real structure there. Uh, they're gonna have to get past the Dylan Brooks hitting people in the dick, um, <laughs> which I know all about all too well. Uh, oh, but you've experienced it? They've got some. Not, no, he hasn't hit me in the dick, but I've seen it <laughs> before. I've never seen Donovan Mitchell so mad. He did it to Donovan Mitchell last year, unlike ESPN. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jabari, fantastic in this preseason. And I think that while we've spent so much time talking about these young freakazoids, these seven-footers that can kind of do everything, this guy at his best, knocking down threes and the shot looks good, going to the basket, being a defensive menace, like a little mid-range on offense. Too, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of one that can get forgot, you know, kind of get lost in the mix amongst the uh freakos that we have all over the league now. But it's another special one that might be, quote, future of basketball type, ready to blow up this year. It's going to be fascinating to see the way it breaks out with those top three. There's so much conversation up until the day of the draft. Who's number one? Mm-hmm. Paulo Bancaro, he goes first. And then we get Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith. How does it play out with those three guys with who ends up the best in the draft class? Did did Houston, thinking they were going to get Paulo Bancaro with the third pick, turn into a blessing in disguise yeah. with Jabari Smith? Could we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It's still very, very early to say. Um, but I, I'm super impressed with Smith's development, and I, I hope it continues to sustain because the main thing with him is is that jumper. Like he had a great year at Auburn shooting threes. Last year is down to 30%. He was a, a not a great shooter in high school. Auburn felt like it could have been an outlier a year, but he shot the heck out of it at summer league. He's shooting the heck out of it now in preseason. If that sustains, it just opens up. 
everything else for him on offense with all the other skills wow. that he has as a baseline player. And, and well, in fairness, watching him, I'm a huge Jabari fan. I loved him in the draft, um, as everybody knows. Horrible guards at Auburn. And a disaster. Like, oh, no, so bad. And no guard play last year for Houston. I mean, it's just all a mess. I know. I mean, they it, intentionally, I mean, they're running Kevin Porter Jr. out there at point guard. and it, It's the you know, opposite it's, now, right? Like, no, you got it's Van structured. I'm yes. Thompson. I mean, you got a lot of guys who can handle the ball and, and make the smart decisions on, on the Rockets at this point. And now, I mean, imagine if you have that guy as someone that can actually, like, set the table for him. You know, I mean, they were playing uh, who's got the ball. Okay, it's my turn to go make a play, you know, last year. where And, and the other thing is that other big, Shengun makes plays too. Oh, yeah, I love Shengun. So, I mean, you're just mm-hmm. getting some more guys around there that can uh, get you the ball in better spots to score. Because I thought he did, you know, look, he did all that Auburn stuff despite his guard situation, which was one of the worst I've ever seen. And one of the and the main reason why they lost. Yes, for sure. The reason. I mean, they yeah. Jabari. Yeah. <laughs> when you've yeah. got a guy that awesome in college. Mm-hmm. Like, um, anyways, uh, watching guys like that and watching these young players, especially that we're getting to see a bunch of the preseason, has gotten me super excited. Um, because I do think that it's very clear there's an edict that we're gonna see a lot more of all the players that we want to see in this upcoming year. And if we ever doubted it with the, well, are they really going to punish anybody, whatever, that whole Ju- Joe Dumars monologue since we last spoke about everybody has come to an agreement and you got the Players Association on our side and the league on our side. And I think everybody had probably a come-to-Jesus meeting and said, hey, guys, we got a media rights deal coming up and if everybody wants to, you know, have the same kind of spoils that we've been able to enjoy and even more, then this is the one thing that we are going to be. We've got to take that off the table when we go to negotiate. It can't be, hey, do we get any kind of, you know, guarantee or at least partial guarantee on what our product's going to look like if I'm, you know, because all the big boys are going to try to get a piece. NBC will get back in the mix, Amazon, Apple, every, you know, and you got a chance to really, with the confluence of cable and uh, streaming, really get a massive media deal, both nationally and locally for everybody, but they got to get the product right. And so I'm hopeful. Uh, I guess it'll be a week from when most people are listening to this Tuesday, we're going to be watching actual regular season basketball games. Dude, I, I'm excited. I'm, 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 I think this is going to be a, a great year um, for the NBA. And, I mean, opening night, we got Lakers, Nuggets. That's going to be fun. The animosity between those teams and Suns and Warriors next Tuesday. Uh, Katie versus Stephen Curry, going to be awesome. Uh then, like the then the next night, that's everybody else is playing. Um, right. I mean, we're on our way, man. Yep. The one 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 team that we didn't mention, Chris. I just want to bring them up because you saw them the other night. Granted, it was on the road, Miami. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero, looking developed. Bam at a bio. He took and he did miss the three, but you know, the Miami. Wouldn't it be something else if Tyler Hero ended up taking the leap this year after right. they don't they, they don't get Damian right. Bullard? I got something for you. Okay. Here you go. That we didn't get to. You ready for uh you ready for the top ten scorers in the preseason? Oh God, give him Tyler Hero is number one, but he is tied. He's averaging twenty six points a game in his two games that he's played. He is tied with a man that has played three games. Jonathan Kaminga, 26 points per game. Wow. Kaminga and Hero, then Victor Wimbayama, then Desmond Bain, then Peyton Pritchard, then Kyle Kuzma, then Tyrese Maxey, Julian Strother, the aforementioned, Bam Adebayo, Anthony Simons. There you go. Mm. Here's your top 10 preseason scores. We'll see if that is indicative of anything. 
when the season I mean, we, comes we, about. We shall How about see. the Kaminga? How about Kaminga? Hey, Kaminga and Hero. Kaminga, um, I mean, granted, some of it is against like some weaker lineups, but uh, the progress looks good. I mean, that's what you want. Isn't that all you want to see? It's just progress. And and that's exactly what you're getting. Um, But very, very interesting to see some of those names on there, like Pritchard continuing what he did to end last regular season with Boston. Yep. Uh, maybe he'll end up being like a, an important six man for them. And Tyler Harrow, after a summer of being involved in trade shot talks, maybe he's coming back with a bigger chip on his shoulder than he ever has before. It's possible. Can't rule it out. We'll see how these guys carry it over to the season. But uh, I'm excited for some of these kind of sub- <laughs> What if sub- Tyler sub- Hero averages more points a game than Dame? Oh my god! <laughs> that would be so yeah. funny. I mean, even if even if like Dame is actually the better player, but if like just the numbers are more for Tyler Hero, it would be hilarious. It's so funny. Uh, all and, right, and, and, and Wemby, man, we're gonna we're gonna be talking oh, about him a lot god. this season. My you goodness. think? Yeah, a lot of Wemby. Yeah, uh, we'll be back on Ooh. Thursday, and we will have our semi bold predictions. For the upcoming year, uh, which is always fun to do before the uh, season begins. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I'll talk to you on Thursday. Uh, Have a good week. Looking forward to being back twice a week. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 9 with it in Indiana. Call 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1 877 770 STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800 gambler.net in West Virginia. Call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.